0: I think at any age, whether you're 20, you're 30, you're 40, or you're 50, that feeling doesn't change. And the definition of what it feels like might be different in your 20s, and it might be different in your 30s. And then you matriculate into your 40s and 50s and 60s. And yeah, it's really different, but you still want to feel that. Because when you were 20, you were so busy being 20, you didn't really recognize all of those things. But just that self-awareness and allowing it to cross over the boundaries of age, why not? Why wouldn't you want to feel that way?
1: Welcome to Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry, a podcast dedicated to changing the way women eat to lose weight so they can feel their hottest. I'm your host, Lauren Hubert, former fad dieter turned registered dietitian. Each week, I'll share all of my favorite healthy eating tips and swaps, help you through frustrations on your journey, and show you the science behind losing weight. Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry is here to make weight loss simple, fun, and easy to stick to for life. Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry. I am literally so excited. Like guys, you are going to absolutely love, you're going to eat up today's guest. Her name is Catherine. She's actually a current client inside of 90 Day Fit Bay Body as we are recording this. She was on our coaching call last night and I literally, on that call, she was actually giving advice to some other people on the call that are in the program. And I literally was like, I am so excited for her to come on the show. Catherine is really special because she has lost 12.1 pounds over the past nine weeks, which is incredible. Not only because of the weight loss she has seen and her clothes are fitting differently. Her habits have changed. She's feeling really good, has a positive relationship to food and the scale. But what I love about Catherine's story is she is not in her thirties, her twenties, her forties. She's, she's not, not that age, guys. She is 52 years old. In fact, she celebrated a birthday inside of 90 Day Bay Body, guys. And I really wanted to have Catherine on the show, not just to talk about her story, which is incredible and all of the juicy things that she did to be able to lose this weight, but I wanted her on the show to specifically highlight the fact that she is in her 50s. She's losing fat in her 50s. She is becoming fit in her 50s. She is also becoming fit after suffering from injuries and going through multiple pregnancies. She has three children who are much older now. And she is just living proof that you can truly feel hot and sexy and confident and just feel good in your body at any flipping age. So whether you are 20 years old or 70, 80 years old listening to this episode, I know that you will leave inspired and you will leave learning that it's never too late to look and feel your hottest. Catherine also shares how she has been specifically able to lose weight in her 50s. She shares her hormone and medical journey that led to this journey with TSN, and really the fact that she didn't actually have anything wrong with her. She needed to change her habits. She talks about diets that she's done before, things she has learned raising her three daughters, and most importantly, just raising children in general as a woman who has gone through her own dieting and weight journey herself. And the best part about this episode is she is actually gonna share how to counteract some of the difficulties that come up that impact her weight. She even gets really candid and shares her journey, helping one of her children through an eating disorder. And she also shares how, yes, there are ebbs and flows to life and you might gain weight and lose weight for a variety of reasons, whether pregnancy, whether you know trying to support a family member or a loved one, but she just gives you so much inspiration to be kind and loving to yourself which I think a lot of women need to hear on their journey. So without further ado, I am so excited to welcome Catherine to the show.
0: Thank you, Lauren. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you.
1: I kind of want to revisit the years before TSN and coaching and the current place you're at in your journey. What was your dieting experience like when you were younger, as you got older, you know, Catherine has three children. So she has gained weight back, not because of fat diets, but because she literally had to gain weight to be childbearing and obviously deliver her amazing children. So can you tell us a little bit about Catherine pre in her fifties, losing 12 pounds, like what your dieting and weight journey has been?
0: I feel like because I'm 50, I have a lot, I have a lot of benchmark experience. I definitely spent time with Weight Watchers and I really liked Weight Watchers until I got into doing uh, marathons and running marathons. And I felt like there was a bit of a deficit and a gap in terms of nutritional needs. And I was seeking more information. And I really didn't know where to go to find it. And it was before the internet and Instagram and all these wonderful tools that we have access to. And I met with a dietitian who did not serve my needs. She gave me a recipe for bone broth. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I walked out He told me this before. And I was like, Oh, bone
0: broth, which has its merits. And I think in my mind, I was there for the wrong reasons. I was running marathons to maintain weight. And that was that's not why you run marathons. And nutritionally speaking, I was just crashing. And I knew that there was something wrong. I knew I had enough intelligence to know that I wasn't feeding myself properly. But yet I was doing this to to maintain weight, which was for all the wrong reasons. And I I rolled, you know, I rolled through that time and I did my marathons until my body said no more marathons. And and I rolled through, let's see, I've done a lot of programs. Am I allowed to say them?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we, we want the names, baby, I like to say, because I mean, it's relatable. All these other women out there may have done the same exact program. So give it to us.
0: Yes. So I, I did like Weight Watchers quite a bit. I, and I did that. And then I switched into a portion fix, the ultimate portion fix program, which I really liked that too, because again, it was a, a piece of education in terms of feeding my entire body with all the different nutrients and not excluding things. And then I'm from there, I switched into 2B mindset, which is a plate method,
1: a plate method. Yeah. Type of
0: program which I liked that too. You know, there were all the things that there were things about each one of those programs that I liked, but what I was missing was, well, three things, three things I was missing. One, I was missing specific data about myself and I was missing professional eyes on my data. Those programs were set up and yes, there were formulas to follow, but they weren't specific to me as I was going along and experiencing life. So that was one. Two was all the chatter on the internet all the chip, 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 all the things about you have to intermittent fast. If you're going through menopause, you have to, you know, increase your fats and you need to decrease your these and you need to do that. And it's like, am I going through menopause? I don't know. Maybe I should find out. If I'm going
1: through menopause. Yeah. You're like, you're stressed about even going through menopause. And then now you're adding on extra stress of all these things. You feel pressure to change in your diet. And you're not even sure if those are the changes that you need to even be making. Plus we have this whole weight loss thing that we're going after too. So it's almost like you're, you're navigating three different problems and it's overwhelming.
0: Oh, it was just a, so much navigation. And it, it was almost like I was too too educated for my own good. Ooh, but I didn't have yeah. all the, the information. I'm not, I, I didn't go to school to study this. I've just been in, exposed to it a lot in my life, not just with my own health. And again, once I realized that running marathons was counterintuitive in terms of taking care of myself, it was for weight loss purposes that I, I switched gears into understanding nutrition. And then I think I shared with you, we had a family crisis, medical crisis with one of our children who was battling an eating disorder. And I learned a lot, I mean, a ton about feeding her versus feeding me. But again, I was devilishly dangerous. (laughs) And, you know, the doctors all said, don't follow her meal plan. Don't eat the way you need to feed her. And I did. And I gained a bunch of weight just right alongside with her.
1: Oh, you know, you didn't share that with me. So as you were navigating one of your children's eating disorder and this medical emergency and the meal plan for your child, you ended up taking that advice, following a lot of those recommendations, and you ended up gaining weight through the healing of your child's eating disorder.
0: Yeah, I can say that it's really hard as a parent to, you know, watch your child go through something like that. But as as far as the role I was given in the job, I was assigned and we had excellent medical care in that process. And I think for all intents and purposes, we went through that cycle very quickly versus other people who struggle for years and years. And all of it had to do with food. And the doctors just kept saying to us, look, food is medicine. And this child was looked on the surface to be very fit and fine. But what you couldn't see was her standing heart rate was about 36, 34 beats. So her resting heart rate was like 18. And to be clear, to verify zero would be death. And that was dangerous. And had we not gone in for a wellness visit, I I knew something was going on, but I didn't know it was that bad. But so the doctor said, you know, you can't, you've got to Step back and do this for her. And I said, Well, I I can't just feed her all this food and not eat it with her. And she's they would say, It's not her, it's the disease. And I would say, Right, right. So separate the two. So I had to learn how to cook for her that was very high density, high calorie, very small volume, very small volume.
1: Like how we feed football players. Like we talk so much about low calorie and how to like manipulate calories and food to be able to lose weight or achieve a body composition goal. But in the same way, The same principles, but the opposite are applied to weight gain. And I just want to point out, Catherine, that it actually makes perfect sense why you got so involved and not even so involved. That's not even the right word. But you were really being a role model to your daughter by eating that way for her. And it wasn't like you were just doing it to... Do something to your body as you were helping her learn how to refuel her body in the way that was going to be her best. And so I just want to point out that we oftentimes think weight gain happens either because we're getting older or, you know, we screwed up our metabolisms or we fat dieted. But this is one of those examples, another example of the ebbs and flows of life and why actually understanding how to fuel your body is so important because another mother might be in your shoes going through the exact same thing. And you might gain this weight and then you might feel uncomfortable with it, but you have to understand why the weight gain happened. And it actually occurred for not a negative reason, if you really think about it.
0: No, I mean, it was, it was out of love. I did it. And to be fair, I loved everybody that I took with that kid. <laughs> I mean, those uh, pieces of French toast that we made with heavy whipping cream and whatever else we added into it was amazing. Yeah. loved it. But I remember having a conversation with the dietitian that was working with us. And I said to her, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to create a 3,500 calorie a day meal plan. I, I, I lived my whole life thinking I need to be sub 1500, yeah. sub something else. Right. And she said, just you're making this so hard. It's a sandwich. It's chips. It's yogurt. It's, you know, and I, my fitness pal, I think that's when I opened up my fitness pal for the very first time. So when I re-engaged with it with you, it was there from that time frame. And wow. I thought, oh, that's hilarious. Because I was just trying to understand how to build the day in terms of the foods. And my husband made me a spreadsheet. I was like, I can't deal with that. Like, no, I can't do that. But I could understand how to add density to her meal and make it really simple. And that part was easy. And and honestly, I just ate what she ate because I wanted I wanted to get past that as quickly as I I possibly could, but from there, I went right back to Weight Watchers, and I went back into more volume eating. Right where we took pasta and we subbed it in with zoodles, and we did different things. But I still felt like there was that lack of understanding nutrition and and life. You know, life will whack you when you least expect it. I am fifty two, but when I was forty eight, I I think that was right at the beginning of COVID. I broke my ankle. I used to ride horses showed jumping the whole nine yards and it was several days before Christmas
1: and I had so iconic by the way. I gotta see some photos, Catherine. I- I'm gonna assign that to you. <laughs> no problem. I can do that. But I you know it was days away from Christmas
0: and I broke my ankle and during a training ride and I was, you know, I was out. And then my rehab from that, we rolled right into lockdown for COVID. And out of nowhere, I didn't expect this to happen. I knew I had some back issues and things like that. That's why I stopped running my back completely went out. And that was the slippery slope of my life changing forever and ever. I ended up having to have back surgery in 21. I'm fused L4, L5. And I got it maybe a year and a half after that, November last year, 22, I had a double hip replacement. Fifty-one. I was think I was fifty-one when I had my hips replaced, and I could at the time I was
1: like, "Why is this happening to me?" I mean, it's a mind f. You go from being fit and riding horses and running marathons, and hiking, running marathons, and then you get. I mean, it's just like that transition when you're younger, maybe going from high school sports or college sports to not being an athlete anymore. Right? For the majority of people who are not playing professional sports, but then you go through that transition sometimes later in life when what you do in a day, in a moment. I mean, my husband works in ICU. I hear these crazy stories sometimes of just these random things that happen and it can totally just change the trajectory of your life. And more than the trajectory of your life, it changes your habits a lot. Then you don't have those things to rely on that you used to do to manage your weight.
0: Yeah. And the mental part, go back to that. You said the mental app or whatever you called it. I mean, can we use that word? Because it's one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, mental mind fuck. I was hatedly talking to my girlfriend, I'd be like, it's a mental fuck when you go from being so active or eating a certain way to then you're injured, you're on your butt all day. Like it's such a mental F.
0: It is a mental F and you, you question everything. Should I be eating more? Should I be, Oh, I should be eating less. Like,
1: honestly, the truth is
0: I didn't know what to eat. And, you know, I, I think looking back now, I maintained my weight for a, a fair amount of time because even though I wasn't able to be active at all. I mean, I was sedentary for three years, which is not my lifestyle in general. That's not the way I am. Obviously I've explained some of the things I like to participate in. So being sedentary and not really knowing how to take care of the caloric needs of my body and the healing part of my body. And I think I messaged you about hormones because when I was coming out of my hip surgery. I was thinking I have to be completely inflamed and full of all kinds of issues. And I think it was that moment. It might've been April, but I was chatting with you um, on Instagram and I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go do all the blood work. I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to take all the questions out. and either find answers to them or no answers. And I remember your response to me is, "Oh, no, you don't need a continuous glucose monitor. I'm like, are you kidding? Because Instagram says I do.
1: I shouted you out on the blood sugar episode. I forget what number it is, guys. It's in the 160s. But I had that blood sugar episode. And I'm like, I've been getting all these questions from clients either about to join or already in the programs. You're not even the only person, Catherine, about these glucose monitors. And that I totally remember a conversation because I remember we went back and forth about the hormones. and the injuries and all the stuff you went through, and then obviously the the blood sugar stuff. And I remember so candidly after hearing your story, it wasn't that I wanted to be like, oh, you know, those things don't matter. I mean, it's cool to measure your blood sugar and see where you're at. But I remember thinking that I know super resonated with you that that wasn't the problem. That wasn't the thing that was holding you back from weight loss. That wasn't the big boulder that we needed to move to allow you know, I, I'm a visual person to allow you to go down the highway because the boulders block blocking the road. Like you're trying to move a pebble that like it's not going to impact your drive. Right. And so I, I love how that still even resonates with you till this day that that like you were focusing on the wrong things at the wrong time.
0: Well, I mean, and I learned that from one of the therapists way back with the kid that was ill. And, you know, she at one point said, oh, she's lactose intolerant. And the, the therapist said, oh, so you've had that tested and you, that's verified. And I looked at her and I went, oh, um, no, I just let the disease tell me that that was the case. And she said, okay, go ahead and just get the testing done and then get back to me. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, what a simple message. Go get the data, come back. And that is kind of the the piece that I have collected along the way working with you is the data. So I did that. I did that to myself. I went and got all the testing done, and you know what it said? It said that I was really healthy, yes! and that all my levels were great. My hormones were great; like everything was pretty good. I mean,
1: and everybody was surprised. Everybody was surprised that it was so level. Tell, wait, tell me more. Why were people? Was your doctor surprised? Did they expect to find some horrible number?
0: Not my primary care physician, but I went to a functional doctor who looked at me and went, "Wow, you've been through all this." You know, if we go into that deep spiritual side of medicine, it's a completely different story. And I said, "Well, I want both sides. I want." traditional medicine and I want functional medicine. I want to check all the boxes and I want as much information as I can possibly get. And the truth was I was better than I expected to be. I expected to see high levels of this or high levels of that. And, and there were just tiny little things and their recommendations to alter were very, very minor, very minimal, very small amounts of times of supplementation. And I did that and I haven't actually redone my blood work since then. But I feel I felt great after making some of those changes. And I think I then pulled the trigger with you in July, June or
1: July. Yeah, I was like June or July. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about your journey thus far and the changes that you've made, when I think about your journey, Catherine, especially after even our conversation today, but especially after all of our conversations on coaching calls, you are a very data driven person, meaning you're going to look at the numbers and you I mean, we literally said this on a coaching call to another client who was also on the call last night, but how you have to look at the data and you, yeah, you might get freaked out by the scale one day, but you can't let that define you because ultimately the scale is gonna fluctuate day to day. You're not always gonna have a great day, and you just have to really stay the course. So I'm really curious, what pieces of data do you specifically look at now on your journey that you think have been part of the part of the pieces to the puzzle that have allowed you to see success?
0: Well, part of it, I would say, is keeping it simple. And I think, you know, we, we track the calories and we track the protein and the carbs and the fats and just being really mindful of two of those bits. That's easy to keep track of. I will say that tracking my weight has been really, really fun and adventurous.
1: Not the answer. I just thought you were gonna the, the way you worded that. I was literally expecting you to be like, "It has been horrible," and uh, now I'm finally at peace with it. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, to be fair, it was a trigger for me for a long time, and there were days when I'd have to weigh weigh at someone else every day, and I was just I dreaded it. And you know, putting myself on a scale was a very similar feeling. And I get why people feel that way and why they're triggered to that. And I also understand how a lot of people segue that into some serious distorted situation. So no disrespect and and props to all of you who are struggling with things like that. But in terms of looking at the data, and that's really what it became back at that part of that journey and this journey that I'm in right now, which is, and I said this on the call, if I didn't do this every day, I might miss the lowest way end of the week. Because to be honest, if you were to look at my dailies, and I'm sure you have and looked at it they are all over the i have
1: but i know the audience hasn't so you can paint a picture
0: we're like up four pounds up down a pound up two pounds and then all of a sudden it'll like go (laughs) down four pounds and i'm like wow that's really weird okay and so i you know i have moments where i go (gasps) but then i just track it and i just say just do the things do the tracking don't get cocky stay the course It is working. You have seen the progress so far. I mean, I can see it in the scale. I can see it in my face. I can see it in my body. I can see all those things happening. And that I think that piece has really changed for me. And it's really become an ally versus an adversary in this journey.
1: Yeah. I love how you are really living what we talk about. I know you've probably heard me say even before you signed up for coaching, but it's not letting the weight on the scale dictate how you're showing up. You are showing up the same every day, regardless if you had a low weigh in, a high weigh in, it's up four pounds, you have this, you know, 10 pounds down, like you show up the same. You are letting the weight be what it is. And that really is what your weight is. We try to like control and manipulate our weight day to day. And yes, your habits over time do change it. But it's almost like we're trying to, I always use the word, like put a chokehold on our weight. Like we're trying, if you're trying so hard to control it all the time that energy you're putting into that is actually the energy you need to be putting into your habits. And what you're describing is you're not changing what you do. You act the way you act. You have the standard of excellence about how you want to live your life and how you want to eat and the habits that you're forming and building that we can talk about. But the scale, you're letting it do its magic. You are not trying to control it. You're trying to control your habits.
0: And ultimately that, you know, like I said, 52 years of life has taught me that, you know, there are times where I've been really, really, very just strong and active and energized and and sometimes i think well, what what was that and well when i was showing up with my habits and i was actively you know doing good things for myself and it wasn't so much that i was chasing a number on the scale i had excellent boundaries
1: oh wait 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 we need to talk about boundaries i haven't talked about boundaries on the podcast and you are triggering me in the best way possible talk to me about the boundaries let's talk boundaries
0: No, boundaries are good. And you know, again, looking back in my life, when I was riding and competing, I had boundaries. Like I had boundaries of when I went to bed. I had boundaries of how many drinks I would have. I had boundaries of all kinds of different things. Not that I was antisocial or wouldn't do things, but I would go play bocce with my husband, but I wouldn't drink five glasses of wine. I might have one wine spritzer and he would say, well, what? You're not very fun today. And I'd say, well, it's funny because I don't want to die tomorrow.
1: Oh, my goodness. And that's, that's timely with all the food pushing coming up during the holidays as well. Well, yes. And I think that that is and
0: my husband's a ton of fun. He's the if you meet him, he'll be the life of the party. Like he's that guy. And everybody I know who I've introduced to and he's like, wow, he's got a lot of energy. Yeah. And I'm not like that. I don't come with that much energy. But I'm happy to be there. I just don't want to be there with five or six drinks. I want to be there with one white wine spritzer or whatever I'm having, because I have to get up and be at the barn at seven o'clock the next morning. And I want to be coherent and I want to be present. And I don't want to fall as we're jumping over, you know, giant piles of sticks at massive rates of speed. I don't want to fall, even though I did. And to be fair, in full disclosure, I actually bent my rule the night before I fell and I had more than what I gave myself as the limit. And when I showed up the next day at the barn, I was like, hey, I'm okay. I think I'm all right. But to this day, I will always blame myself for that happening because I bent my rule and I broke my boundary and I cheated on myself. But I mean, it's not to say that it wouldn't have happened with or without that, but, but the boundary. So yeah, let's talk about boundaries and people. My husband is a classic example. And should he ever listen to this, which he may or may not. I don't know. He is the biggest drink pusher I've ever met of anybody, not food pusher, drink pusher. Like, would you like a cocktail? Your glass is empty. Let me pour it back up.
1: I mean, it's his love language. I'm sure like my friends that are that same way too. people I know in life. And I think what's interesting about this boundaries conversation that actually really stood out to me when you said it is boundaries is almost a synonym for you, not with restriction, but with deadlines or like a line you're not able to cross, which is really what a boundary is, right? When you think about the definition of it. But I think a lot of times we think about saying no to things as restriction and deprivation and you're not allowed to have it. But really, boundary for you is like a standard, like that standard of excellence that I said before. It's it's setting your intentions and aligning your actions with what you want to have. It's not saying no because, you know, you're a bad person if you drink alcohol or this and that. It's it's I want to feel great the next day. I don't want to get injured when I'm riding this horse and I'm doing these crazy jumps. And, you know, it's it's giving and taking. It's not like you're not having the alcohol ever. But it also is okay if you don't want to have something. And I think in a fitness journey, sometimes we're afraid to have that conversation. We skirt around it like you can have it all, but you really can't have it all all at once. Like I want you guys to have it all, but you can't have it all at once and expect to be amazing at every single part of your life. Like you do have to have boundaries. You do have to have limits and you get to decide what those limits are and what's really worth it for you ultimately.
0: Yeah. And I think that 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 kind of segues into another piece, which is when you restrict versus give yourself a boundary restriction makes you want it that much more. So if I say you are only allowed to have two drinks a week, then all of a sudden, I want eight. (laughs) That's way far away from two. Like, why couldn't you say three or four? But it's it's actually that I want that number to be way bigger than it is. So but if I give myself a boundary and know that I can still hit my goals and get my averages with and I'm just going to use this number because this has been my number seven. That's my number, and it's not to say that I'm striving to get there every week. I'm going to have those seven drinks. I'm going to have those seven drinks. It's not like that at all. It's like that's my number.
1: We're like counting down. Oh, I had three. Oh, I have four more left for the week. We're we're not that vibe, guys.
0: No, but if I restrict it, then I'm you know it's probably the number is going to be way way farther at the other end of that spectrum versus the boundary of this is this is where I want to stay. That's different. And I've I've learned definitely in these last I guess three or four years. But because I don't have the boundaries of some of the physical activities and the things I was doing that I needed to create them for myself in general. And this is part of the new journey that I'm on, which is this is me claiming my health back. And it does have a a significant why. I have hardware in my back and my hips, and I don't want to put that much pressure on my joints. And I know that there's a real valid reason for maintaining weight. It doesn't mean I need to be skinny thin. I need to be strong fit. I need to be healthy and huh, heck yeah, I want to feel hot. Why not?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think if it doesn't happen for people now, I see it. So I think that's why me turning 30, which is not old guys, I'm not saying I'm old, but me turning 30 and working with women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, heck, I've worked with people in their 80s and 90s. I've worked in nursing homes before, guys. When you get that experience of anyone in your life who you see is older battling a health condition eventually you will wake up one day and I knock on wood hope no one ever has to battle a health condition, but we're not invincible. And and part of this conversation is these boundaries are not just for aesthetics of I want to look hot in a bikini and be thin. Like that's not what this show is about. You're on the wrong show. I am sorry. It's also understanding that you will get to a point when if the choices you make now will either enhance your life or they will either end your life sooner or make your life more challenging because of health problems that sometimes we can reverse, sometimes we cannot. And that comes off really blunt. But you know, for instance, with cancer, people get cancer for so many different reasons. It's not just lifestyle, but we know lifestyle plays into it. So if you know you are at risk for developing a disease and you are not taking care of your body, there's many reasons, including education and access and ability, and that's a whole different conversation. But if you know that you are not feeling your best, you're at risk for these things, you have a family history of it, and you're not making those changes because you think it's really difficult. Catherine's a really great example. Like, it doesn't have to be difficult. Like, you can do this and it not feel like punishment and you're ruining a part of your life and you can't can't live your life while also enhancing your health. Like, those things actually coexist. And if you don't take care of it now, it will catch up with you later.
0: Right. And you... You have seasons of life. There are times in your life that are really different. I think the young woman that was on your your coaching call was in a very social season of her life and that's that's great and don't change that piece of it because that's what you do at that phase of your
1: life. And you will regret not going out when you're older. <laughs> well and we are
0: social. We are social humans. So learn how to do this and set your boundaries so that you are still socially engaged with your people but also feeling empowered and strong and healthy and and hot theres your word but you know you you roll into the next phase of your life where i remember when i was in my 20s like i didn't have a lot of money to go out and and do these things and buy drinks and i certainly never had a lot of excess food or drinks in my house it was just the bare minimum so it was a different journey and then i got money and i worked and and then i had children and next thing i know i was standing in the cul-de-sac playing chardonnay kickball wait that's iconic what a story (laughs) i mean because you have bottles of chardonnay everywhere and your neighbors all have it and now you're in the street you know with the kids are playing kickball and you're yeah you you get the visual but the season of your life changes and now you're you're having social interactions differently and then you get to a place even beyond that where in like you're not going out to eat but you're home with your spouse or your children and you're entertaining at home. And now the, the food and the drinks are rolling. And so having those boundaries still doesn't change, but yeah, it's going to, what it looks like is going to change. And to feel like you have some control, that's where I feel like the data gives you that control. It it gives you the power to make those choices and nobody likes to feel out of control and nobody likes to feel like they don't have power. And again, restriction and all those different things. I think that's a formula for going off the tracks and, and being crazy, and I tell people this story because if you meet me in person, I'm I'm not very tall. And
1: wait, I didn't know that, Catherine. How tall are you? I'm five four. You're five four. Okay, wait. I'm five six. So people meet me in person, they think I'm really short too.
0: <laughs> and you look very tall in your socials.
1: It's the angles, guys. It is the angles, right?
0: Up until three years ago, I had 5'6 on my driver's license. And that's always what I measured to be when I was younger. And I don't know if it's because of my spine and my back and my joints wow. and all the things that have happened over the years, but I am currently 5'4. And I don't know how long I've been 5'4. Like, I don't remember being measured height-wise outside of being, whatever, 16 years old when I got my first driver's license. And I had my first baby in my late 20s, and I was 205 pounds, 205. And then I had my second baby 20 months later, and I was 205 pounds to the T.
1: Wow. Oh, my gosh. Back back at the same. That is wild.
0: I tried to lose the weight in between, but I got pregnant pretty quickly, so I hadn't gotten there all the way. It's hard. And I had my third baby four years later, and I was 188 pounds, and (laughs) I was on bed rest for like two and a half months. I was completely sedentary, and I was thinking, I'm going to be 205 pounds when this is over. But I was I, I was high fiving myself at 188 thinking, you know, I'm doing great. But weight is such a big part of a, a woman's identity and culture and in ways that is really unhealthy. And I, you know, I, I that part of it as a as an older woman, as a mother of three girls, I have three girls, it's prevalent and it's my it's always up front in my mind. I remember going to the OB office for a checkup for my third baby and I had lost a pound that week and the nurse and I were high-fiving each other and my OB walked in and said that's very bad.
1: My initial reaction is, wait, why are we high-fiving? If you're pregnant, we need you to gain weight and not... No, this is the wrong mindset. But that's a very typical female mindset. It is. Well, let me tell you, so many women DM me, hey, I'm pregnant and I do your program?" That honestly, to be fully transparent, actually breaks my heart. and gets me very upset because well, one, no, you can't do the program because this is a weight loss program. And I'm throwing a statistic literally out of thin air because I don't know the exact number, but let's say like 1% of women, you would have to be very morbidly obese and it is better for you to lose weight for the baby's health under doctor supervision. That's like extremely rare. Most women, if not all, need to gain weight to fuel your body and the baby and the placenta and all the things for pregnancy. So when I get these messages, it makes me sad because we just don't know better as a culture. And it's because we're so weight obsessed. And it's sad.
0: Agreed. It is sad. And, you know, I, I don't really know how to define the body positivity movement and, and all the different parts of it. Again, as a, a mom of three women, young women now. It was not easy. You know, and I was laughing with my youngest daughter who's still at home. She's a senior in high school now. And I made her, I made her mac and cheese for dinner last night.
1: Wait, wait I and was talking with my mom and Josh, my husband, about all these places she used to, took me to take me to. And I used to go to Burger King with my mom's best friend, her daughter, who I just went to her wedding, me and my mom. And it was like this whole thing when we were younger. And she was like so embarrassed. She took me to Burger King. I'm like, mom, like that was normal for me to always go to Burger King. Like It wasn't a bad thing. we were bringing it up. We were actually reminiscing because my uh, my husband asked my mom about mac and cheese, and that was the one food where she was like, "Oh yeah, we still eat that all the time." I love a little Annie's mac and cheese. Anyway, continue.
0: <laughs> yeah, and now Goodles. Are you familiar with Goodles? Oh, Goodles.
1: Yes, I love Goodles. They even have it at Costco out here in California. I was very impressed.
0: But yeah, no, she had Goodles for dinner, and I, you know, I was that mom, and I really have always had like the best of um, intentions for healthy foods, right? Like we had wheat bread in our pantry, even though, and I was a child, I have vivid memories of my mother packing me a lunch that had a slab of turkey in it and a big fat tomato and bread. That was, wait, that
1: was my childhood too.
0: <laughs> and, you know, and I was like, can I just have bologna and white bread? You know, and to be, to be honest, <laughs> not want bologna white bread right now. No, thank you. Oh, but God. that's what I wanted. But then that was the parent I became. I was that mom. And I tried making my kids uh, mac and cheese back in the early 2000s that I used pureed butternut squash as a way of adding vegetables and making it that beautiful color, orange color that mac and cheese is so well known for. And my family just gave me the...
1: Oh, they disowned you. <laughs> I must say... I love the addition because I, I do tell my clients that are mom sometimes to be like, let's add like a little broccoli and see what happens with your child and, you know, see if they have it. But yeah, I know what you mean, because a uh, normal Goodles, Annie's craft moment. I mean, you can't replace that with butternut squash. So I feel for them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I did get very specific instructions on how to make said Goodles for dinner. I, you know, and I was like, okay, all right. So when she's eating it, is it good? Do you like it? It's it's better than the butternut squash mac and cheese that I used to make for you, right? Yes. Mom. So, I mean, I love to cook. I'm, I'm that friend in the friend group that, you know, we'd go somewhere and I love to cook. So I, and I love playing around with food and I love with hacking and I love finding ways to make it shorter and more simple. It's not like I am a five-star chef by any means untrained at all, but I love playing in the kitchen. And I love finding ways of adding protein into things or adding vegetables into things where you don't necessarily know it. And I do get a little pushback from my family from time to time. They're, they're not as fond of my health hacks.
1: I love it. I love it. Now, I'm curious, with everything we've talked about today, what would you say are some misconceptions for women trying to lose weight in their 50s coming from Catherine, who meets this criteria, guys? She's living it. She's doing it. She's losing the weight. What are some misconceptions now that you can look back on and be like, I know you're told this as a 50-year-old, maybe pre, during, heck, I've had clients early menopause, you know, going through all the things that you can look at now and be like, I know you think it's true, but it's not true. It's not true.
0: I think that your journey is individual and there's no harm in in doing the work to figure out where you're at personally. But I'd say misconception is, especially as somebody, me, I was born in 1971. Okay. And so I've been through so many different phases of manufactured foods and what they've created, the low fat, no sugar, whatever that was in the
1: eighties and all the things that the fentanyl, Fen-fen? is that what it was called in the 90s? Yep, fen Oh, I still get women mentioning it to me a ton, by the way. It's still like a thing. And now the Ozempic and all the different things, which
0: it's a little terrifying to me. I, and I see people, young people, young people who are doing this. And I think, oh my gosh, we don't even know what all the side effects are. But anyway, misconception is that you don't have to eat less in order to make your body shed weight, right? Like, I think I've said that with you. By you looking at me and what I'm eating and my activity level, you gave me a calorie range that was way bigger than what I was doing on my own. So there's misconception number one, you think you're the expert, but you're not.
1: (laughs) And you also think you have to literally eat rabbit food and like a 1000 calories a day. And I really argue, especially as some a woman in their fifties, sixties, heck, even in your forties, guys. Even in your 30s, I'd say it's really important. Like we think as we get older we have to eat less because our metabolism's slower. Maybe we're not moving as much. But thank you for being on the show, Catherine. You're sharing so much wisdom and a lot of women are going to appreciate this. I am excited for them to hear it. Thank you. I mean
0: keep dishing it out. What do you say? There's something you say that I love. Something does me dirty. Like I would say all the misinformation out there is doing you dirty. If as an older woman, I can tell you, you know, seek to get the answers and and ask qualified people to help you along the way. And sometimes that's what it takes. It just takes being not afraid to ask for help. Even if you think you know all the things, it's okay to ask for help and verify if you are on the right path or not.
1: It's okay. So good. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks, Lauren. Hey, girlfriend, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about eating right for fat loss and never gaining weight back, I'll be continuing this party on Instagram where you can find me at sorority.nutritionist posting inspiration every single day. Also, if you're wondering where to get started on your journey, be sure to head to the sorority backslash quiz to take my free quiz that will tell you why you aren't losing weight and what you can begin to do about it so you can see progress faster. You can also find any other links and resources mentioned in the show at the sorority nutritionist.com under free resources. I hope you have such a beautiful day and I will see you next time, girlfriend.